everyone for um, praying for each other and uh, ministering to each other. This should happen all the time in our lives, whether we are um, in a worship service or in the workplace. I mean, now, if your boss is paying you to do something else, you know, it's not the time to be on the clock and praying for someone else, but you can do a quick prayer. And uh, sometimes I feel like we think we have to, you know, bow our heads, invite the Spirit. Um, If you just learn to live in the Spirit, you don't have to take time to invite the Spirit. Just a thought, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Todd White, and he says some crazy stuff. But um, it's funny, I find it in the Bible. It's stuff that I just never really understood or thought about before, but uh, it really is pretty simple. So, well, welcome back. How you been? I guess really welcome back to you, but (laughs) welcome back to those of us that have been gone for a couple weeks because of snow and uh, cancellations. And, you know, I always hate that Sunday morning you get up and there's fresh snow and it's like, oh, are we going to be able to have church? Are we not going to be able to have church? And I had even voiced to someone Saturday night, I hate having to make that decision. Um, And so I get up and at 545, I called Terry Pratt. He does our snow removal and said, can you get the lot clean in time? And he said, no. (laughs) usually he says yes and he said there's just too much snow out there I'll never get it done in time so I'm like okay there we go we're done and uh, we canceled and it was kind of fun watching other churches say hey we're gonna have one service and we're just be here and then be like "Uh, nope we're not gonna have any service and there was a lot of snow but if you live 10 miles out it feels like you didn't get any snow compared to what we got I don't know I don't know if that's the blessing of the Lord or the curse of the groundhog. <laughs> Mock him and I don't know. <laughs> My gosh, we have just taken it too far. <laughs> and by we, I mean me. All right. So we are going to start a conversation. And I don't know how many weeks it's actually going to take. But I wanted to take three weeks to talk about who lives in you. Who lives in us. And... Um, I actually wanted to say who lives in us, and can you turn me down just a little bit? I feel like I'm a little loud, and I don't want to hurt anybody, but um, it would have cost me money to change that to, to us, so I left a you, but if you want to write us, you can do that, and that's more accurate. So, But who lives in us? Who is this Holy Spirit that lives in us, and what's it like? And I hope you've been reading the devotion with us by Robert Morris, The God I Never Knew, in the Version Bible app. If you haven't, start now. Some great information, some great thoughts, Um, the thoughts that we've been sharing with one another as we've read through it are good too, and I, I encourage you to take the time to do that because I don't know if you know this, but we live in some crazy times, right? How many of you think, do you think that right now God is concerned about what to do next? Whether in your personal life or your marriage or in work or in our country, in our world, how many of you, show of hands, you think God is worried about what he's going to do next? No, he's, he's not. Because he's known the end from the beginning. Where do we, we find that in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10? I declare the end from the beginning. That's who he is. The problem is, how many of us live like it? Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? It's the problem when something happens that takes us by surprise to forget that God is not surprised by it, and 
he lives in us. And so all we have to do is make sure we put a rein on our tongue for just a second, turn inward and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? How do I react to this? How do I respond? I am really worried about this. I don't know what's going to happen. Help me. That's why he lives in us. Because he's not surprised by anything. In fact, he sometimes gives us advance notice of stuff. If we spend enough time with him and let him talk to us, he actually gives us advance warning of what's about to happen. So that when it happens, we're like, wow. People are like, How are we, why aren't you concerned? Well, I knew it was coming, but what are you going to do? I don't know yet, but I knew it was coming. <laughs> and so, I mean, some of you, some of us are like, well, I just expect bad things to happen, so I knew it was coming. Not the same thing, okay? The Holy Spirit prepares us not so that we're afraid, but so that we're empowered in the moment. So Pastor Mark did a great job back on Groundhog Day of talking about his, well, not about the groundhog. <laughs> that was just the last time we were here. Um, he, he was talking to us about his best friend, the Holy Spirit, and I love the fact that he went back into the Old Testament to help us understand that there's a, a God who said, there's a Passover, then there's a Pentecost. And then in the New Testament, he said, there's a Passover, and then there's a Pentecost. And now when we get the, the, the feeling from the Holy Spirit that we need to repent of our sins, there still needs to be a Passover and a Pentecost. In our lives, there needs to be an experience with the Holy Spirit that doesn't happen at salvation, even though it can. I mean, some people get saved and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, boom, they're just open, they're ready. Those people are typically not your um, type A, red, blue type of organized, methodical people. Those are generally like your golden retriever type people, your yellows, your people that are just like, I want anything. Um, and so they are the ones that generally receive, boom, like that. In fact, Pastor Mark talked about how long it took him to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to wait a certain number of days after salvation to receive it. The reason that some of us receive it quickly and some of us receive it later is just us has nothing to do with him. And some people say, well, the Lord wants to make sure you're serious, so he's waiting for you to get your act cleaned up and your sin dealt with. That's not the Bible. My sin gets dealt with the moment I put faith in Jesus. Now, yes, it's going to take a while for maybe that to work out in my life in every way, but I don't receive the Holy Spirit because I keep the law. I receive the Holy Spirit because of faith in Christ. So you don't have to wait 21 days to receive. The cross brings those two together instantly if we let it. And so we're going to talk about who this Holy Spirit is. And I, I wanted to take one week to talk about some things and then two weeks to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Um, we're going to see what happens. I, I still don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm still thrown off by the snow day. I was, I'm angry about it, but whatever, I'll get over it. <clears throat> if you've got a Bible... Go to first, or 2 Peter chapter 1. If you're using a Bible in front of you, it's on page 1027. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, 
we're going to do something that might look like a detour, but we're going to come back to talking about the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to end for the day, and I'll pick up next time wherever we leave off. So when it comes to salvation, I hope you understand that every person on earth is guilty. We've all broken God's law. If you break one law, you're guilty of all laws. So all you have to do is to break one, and you're equally guilty as everybody else. Okay? There are not levels of guiltiness. We're all guilty. The penalty for all of us is death, eternal separation from God. But thankfully, God in his mercy, while we were his enemies, while we were still dead in our sin, came to this earth, took the full wrath of our sin against himself. God did that in Jesus. He took the full wrath of our sin against himself so that those of us who believe in him and receive him can become children of God. Can I tell you that you were not saved so you could go to heaven? Nope. You were saved to come back into relationship with your father. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. If you try to aim to make it to heaven, you might miss it. Because you might twist things and still try to get enough of something else and just still make it into heaven. You'll try to maybe get one foot there and one foot here. And I just, I want to make sure I get to heaven and you might miss it. It's possible. But if you make it your aim every single day of your life to be connected to the Father through the Spirit, you will probably make it to heaven every time. Because if you walk with the Father, you stay in communion with Him, you stay connected to the Holy Spirit, you keep in step with the Spirit, you won't satisfy the flesh, you'll put it to death through the power of the Spirit, and then you'll just one day step into heaven. You don't even have to think about heaven. You think about now. And that's why so many of us walk around as Christians, full of the Spirit. We've got the Spirit in us, but we're jerks. We're mean to people. We react to people because they do bad things to us. Oh, that came out of nowhere, didn't it? I mean, we, we, our lives don't look different than the world around us. And by and large, it's because we don't. We're worried about making it to heaven. And we're mad at the people that we think are going to hell. If you have the Spirit living in you, it'll change everything. But there's, and there's another side of this, I know, where we just, oh, we just love everybody. We just love everybody. And, oh, we're not going to talk about what sin is. Well, here, this book clearly defines what sin is. And if this book calls it sin, I'm going to call it sin too. That doesn't mean I can't have a relationship with you and love you and care about you and be kind to you. But guess what? I'm not the full authority on sin. This is. And if it says sin, it's sin. Period. Now, there are some things that we like to call sin that aren't sin in this book. And that's where we need to be careful because we add our own things to this book. But this book is pretty clear about how we should live our lives, just like our Father. And one of those things is to love one another. But... In 2 Peter chapter 1, are you there? By his divine power, verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1. By his divine power, God has given us most of what we need for living a godly life. Oh no, you're there. Everything, everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this now that we've served him for 35 years. 
I'm glad you have your Bible open today. That's not what it says at all. We have received all of this by coming to know him. That means the moment you put faith in Christ, all of the Holy Spirit comes to you to live in you. Everything you need from that moment on is there. Now the problem is, we don't know how to to work that. We don't know how to hear him. We haven't developed his language. We haven't uh, understood all of the promises. And so it's all there. We just don't know what to do with it. It's like getting a new toy at Christmas time, and you're like, I don't even know what this does, but I like it. And what I know is really cool. But some of us get hung up on the parts we know, and we skip the part. We're like, this is an unending gift that comes to live in us. You will never exhaust all there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Never. You cannot because he is infinite and you are finite. And so we just stop seeking sometimes. So we've received all this by coming to know him who has called us to himself. Note, see that? Called us to himself, relationship, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glorious excellence, he has given us Great and precious promises. He's given us promises. He's given us seed, if you will, in our lives. And it's up to us whether that promise, that seed, actually grows in our hearts and produces fruit. Now, I know that John says it's only by connection to him that we produce fruit. Yes, but it's up to us to make sure we stay connected to him. And he is doing everything to make sure we stay connected to him. We try to disconnect, and he's like, no, get back here. He... He, when we are unfaithful, he stays faithful. He is doing everything. He's relentless in his pursuit of us. He wants us to bear fruit. He doesn't want anyone to stand before him on judgment day and have him say, I didn't know you, or not well done. He doesn't want any of that. All he wants is for you to stand there and he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what he wants. So, it goes on to say, supplement, oh wait, these are the promises that enable you, look at this, enable you to share in his divine nature. That doesn't mean someday. It means you are enabled to share now in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires, not caused by the devil. <laughs> Can I tell you something? The devil cannot tempt you with anything that you do not desire. The problem is not the devil. The problem is not sin. The problem is our desires that need to be crucified so we do not partake in anything that he offers to us. Okay? All of this is in you. All of it. Right now, if you've put faith in Christ. So in view of all this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Not some effort, not a little effort, not effort on Sunday. Every effort. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to get rid of that. So supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. With knowledge, self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Did you notice that brotherly affection and love are not the same thing? Okay, they're not. 
But he, look at what he says, supplement. I don't like that version as much as I like the NIV that says, add to your faith. Add to your faith goodness. Add to your goodness knowledge. Add, add, add. Because what happens is, we, we are growing in our understanding of what's in us, and we, we learn something new, and sometimes, instead of adding it to what we already know, we start replacing it, and it becomes the only thing we know. And it's all about this one thing I just learned. Put it with everything else you've learned. Okay, the Bible is a complete book, and we're going to spend the next several months talking about this. You cannot take a verse of Scripture out of the Bible and just make it mean whatever you want it to mean. I mean, we can. We do it all the time. You have to not only know what book of the Bible it's in, what context in that book it's in. You have to know how it fits with all of the Bible because this is a complete book from beginning to end. We have a God who spoke the end from the beginning. So if it doesn't fit with everything else, you're missing something. And when you learn something new about the Holy Spirit and then you take everything else you've learned all of your life from the Bible and you throw it away and you just latch onto this one thing, you make mistakes. Now sometimes, some of what we learned came from our parents, from our traditions, from our feelings, from what we like, our preferences, and it didn't come from the Bible. And sometimes you'll notice that the more you study the Bible, you're like, wow, that's no, I've read the Bible three times now and I never saw that. So then you take that and you put it over there, okay? You put it aside. But if it comes from the book, you add what you learn. So as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, nobody's asking you to scrap anything you've ever learned. Add it to what you've already learned. That's how we grow in our faith. Then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why is that important? Because the more you come to know him, the more all of this stuff works out in our lives. Okay? Okay, now turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Verses 1 through 20, page, it's on page 832 if you're looking for it in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 4, Jesus told a story, and I'm going to start reading it while you're turning because it's a long story and I want to read it all. So verse 1, Mark chapter 4, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat. By the way, if you ever wonder why I sit while I'm preaching, right there. Then he sat in the boat. Just saying. Wow, <laughs> totally kidding. Man, you guys need to lighten up a little. Okay. While all the people remained on the shore, he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. You know, I have some people that say, well, pastors shouldn't tell stories when they preach. They should just preach the word. There you have it. So from the words of Jesus, he tells a story. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. Since it didn't have deep roots, it died. 
Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, and they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. They sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Apparently, you can listen and not understand. So we have to listen and understand. So later, when Jesus was alone with his 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around him, they asked him what it meant. Why? Because they listened, but they didn't understand. So they're like, okay, help us understand. So he replied, you <coughs> excuse me, are permitted to understand the secret or the mystery, some translations say, of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Otherwise, so what they're saying is, Jesus says, I'm going to say stuff that you don't understand. And the reason is, it's going to be a litmus test of whether or not the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Because if you hear something and you're like, I don't understand. You're going to draw near to Jesus and find out what's going on. I need understanding. You're going to draw near to people that are more mature in faith, and you're going to say, help me understand this. But if you hear stuff that you don't understand, and you're like, yeah, that Jesus, he's crazy. I don't, I don't want to hear that. And you walk away, then you need the Holy Spirit to work in your life. So when we see that, we know how to pray. We know how to pray for that person. Holy Spirit, work in their heart. Help them to begin to understand these spiritual truths. Help them to have a hunger for spiritual truths. Okay? Otherwise, they're not going to hear and receive. But for those that say, I don't understand. A lack of understanding doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. It just means you need to come closer. Because you need to gain understanding. That's what the disciples did. So verse 13. Jesus said, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable... How will you understand all the other parables? So apparently, this parable is foundational to understanding everything in the kingdom of God. Because this one is everything. So look at what he says. Verse 14. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So God's word, seed, comes into our lives in some way. It's the promises that we just talked about from 2 Peter. They come. Some of them, those seeds fall on the footpath and it represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. It's never able to penetrate their hearts. Why? Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So how do we pray for them? We pray that their hearts would begin to be softened. How do we help soften their hearts? Kindness, love, mercy, See, if you take someone whose heart is hard and you preach the gospel, well, not even the gospel, you preach the law at them harder, what's going to happen? Resistance. But if you start loving and you start being kind, especially when they're not kind, you soften their heart to receive the gospel. You say, well, they need to know that their sin's going to send them to hell. You're right, they do. But right here we're told if their heart is hard and they're not receiving it, we got to do something to get that heart soft because the God of this age has blinded them. Overcome evil with 
Good. Start acting opposite of what they deserve. Start acting opposite of what they expect, and you'll see their heart begin to open. Just a little crack, just enough to get a seed in there. That's all we need. We don't need the whole heart to get soft. Okay? All we need is a little crack to get one seed in there, and the love of God is powerful enough to break it open from the inside. Don't you believe that? I believe that. So the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives also comes to us in seed form. Some of you are like, I don't know what has this has to do with the Holy Spirit. Over the next couple of weeks, and we've already started, we're going to teach about the Holy Spirit. And some of our hearts are hardened because of things we, of the, things we have observed in the past. We've seen things that have been done wrong in the name of the Holy Spirit. That we're more the hokey spirit than the Holy Spirit. Okay? Or we've prayed for someone to be healed and they died or they didn't get healed or something bad happened. So mis- we've, we've, uh, I'm, I just don't want to open my heart to these seeds. And so they, they fall on hard ground. I, I plead with you, just let your heart open a crack and just trust again, believe again. And allow the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, to really saturate your heart. And I don't care how many weeks we have to stay on this. I mean, we can talk about this till Jesus comes and never fully reach the end. But we're going to move on eventually to some other things too. But you, we've got to understand that open-mindedness that the Bereans had. Remember when Paul preached to them a message that didn't match what they messaged, so they searched the Scriptures? So when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't match what you believe... Go to the scripture. Find out what you believe. It's what I had to do. If I ever get to my story today, I'll tell you. If not, I'll tell you the next time. So then the next one, the, the seed, verse 16, on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Oh, joy. Yes, I believe that message. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. They receive it with joy. They say, yes, I've read that. Oh, yes. They pray. They, they cry. They come to the front. I mean, they do something that says, yes, I believe this message. But guess what? Problems come. You know what happens? The kids get sick. How many of you have ever had a time when all the kids in your house and a spouse was sick at the same time? You know, the reality of that, that's a problem. It really is. And you know what happens when that happens? You don't have time to be in the Word. You barely have time to pray. You barely have time to function. And then you miss a Sunday. And then you miss another Sunday. And then there's a Sunday snow day. And then you're like, oh, man, I'm just kind of tired today. See, the problem, I mean, you receive the Word with joy. Yes, I want this. I want to trust in the Lord. Yes, I want, I want to believe it. But the problems or the persecutions that come as a result cause the fruit never to show up. It gets scorched just by problems, by persecution. I mean, you start talking about the Holy Spirit with some of your friends, and they're like, are you one of those crazy religious fanatics, these crazy tongue talkers? And so because of persecution, you're like, well, yeah, maybe I don't want to be one of them. And, and it scorches it. Why am I telling you this? Because we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit, and I want you to tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is some of you are going to hear things, and you're going to like just dismiss them right away. Hard heart. Don't let your heart be hard. 
Open your heart and search the scriptures. Some of you are going to say yes and you're going to start seeking, but stuff's going to happen. Problems. And then the next one, 18, the seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear it. Again, same positive response, but the message gets crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, and no fruit is produced. I mean, we just get busy. How many of you are busy? I'm busy. We're all busy. I mean, we got like 17 things on the list today. We got so much to do. Hurry up, Pastor Tom. We're busy. And there's nothing wrong with being busy unless it starts to choke out the seed of God's word. And then what we do is we create this doctrine. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't operate anymore today. Really? Or is it just because the, the thorns, the rocks, and the hard ground have kept it from being fruitful? Now, for those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're like, yeah, you give it to him, Pastor. <laughs> Let me speak to you. Because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Why, don't, why doesn't our life look like the apostles? Same thing. You've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with joy. The enemy's not afraid of you receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. What he's afraid of is that you'll learn to live in it. That you won't let it get choked out by the, the cares and the worries of life, the busyness of life. That you won't let it get choked out by the problems, the persecutions, the unanswered prayers. That's what he's worried about. And the reason that we don't see fruit is because we don't keep fanning it into flame. One of the things we're going to talk about as we go into 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, is that the spirit is subject to the prophet. There's this misunderstanding that if I open myself up to the Holy Spirit, that I'm going to start acting like someone else that's weird, that I don't like, and I don't want to look like that. Let me tell you something. One, God created you with a unique personality. If you've ever, anyone ever watched a football game? Okay. Do you know that some people go to football games with their bodies painted and stuff all over their face? and ah! They do. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, they might. <laughs> they might. <laughs> but they're just weird. I mean, they're just weird. Okay? Some people go with their jerseys on. You know, they're fanatical. They, and they even get excited. They jump up and they pump their fist and they're just not like them. Then there's this other group. Okay? And they're there in a business suit. They're sitting in boxes up there. You know, and they're, you know, they're way reserved. You know, and they're, I mean, they get excited, especially if they're part owner, because <laughs> every touchdown means money. I mean, that's what they're thinking is that, you know, one step closer to that Super Bowl and that bonus. Um, so, but there's different people that watch that game, right? And your personality affects that. I, I believe it's the same with the Holy Spirit. If you were crazy before the Holy Spirit, you'll be crazy after. If you were quiet before the Holy Spirit, you might be quiet after, but you'll be powerful. Because God can speak just as powerfully in a whisper as he can in a scream. In fact, if we're going to help other people understand the Holy Spirit, we have to find a way to get our personality out of it altogether. So that the Holy, so when we minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, they taste water and not garden hose. You know what I mean? The analogy: drink out of a garden hose, you taste garden hose. 
eh, that's not so good. We want people to taste the Holy Spirit, not us. And so we learn to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be like someone else. But look at verse 20. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear, accept God's word, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times as much has been planted. As long as we just make every effort, as long as we refuse to quit, we add to our faith endurance. Remember Peter told us to add endurance? We need endurance if we're going to see this thing through. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad weeks. You may even have a bad month or two. At some point, you just have to come to your senses, say, God, what am I doing? Get me back where I need to be. And it doesn't take 40 years to get back where you need to be. It takes repentance, and you're back where you need to be. That's how this gospel works. <clears throat> For some of you, you grew up in churches that you never talked about the Holy Spirit, never heard about the Holy Spirit. In fact, next week, I'm going to start by sharing a little bit about my testimony. And my testimony, um, I grew up in a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, and it was very actively Pentecostal. Um, there were crazy moments that, as a child, I didn't want to participate in. I'm not an outgoing, crazy, loud person by nature. I have become more extro extroverted because of the Holy Spirit in my life than I ever was before, okay? I was a quiet, I don't, if you get to know me, I'll talk to you, but before I get to know you, I'm just, rather just keep it all inside. And so, the Holy Spirit can bring us out of our shells a little bit, but I haven't come fully out of my shell. My own choice, not the Holy Spirit. He would love me to come further out, but I'm, no, I'm right here right now. But I say all that to say this. I've watched miracles happen. I've watched, I was afraid to go to church on Pentecost Sunday because I was afraid of what was going to happen at my church. I was afraid we were going to have a full service. The pastor wasn't going to preach. People were going to be falling all over the floor and jumping and shouting and making everybody else want it too. I mean, that's what they did in their exuberance. They were just like going into the pews and grabbing people and you got to come and get it too. And I just didn't want it. <laughs> Because I was afraid. Later on, I became proud, and I didn't want it. But then I had an experience, and you're going to have to come back next week to hear the experience, that changed everything. And I came to the conclusion that everything I had believed up to that point was because that's what I wanted to believe. And so I had to start studying the Scripture and saying, God, what does your word say about the Holy Spirit? How do I apply that to my life? And I had to let it, little by little... I didn't have to let it little by little, but that's, you know, type A, blue, red personality, just how it works. And so little by little, I began to grow in my understanding of the Holy Spirit um, and watched him operate in my life. The Holy Spirit will never try to control you. Never. Demonic spirits try to control. The Holy Spirit does not. Some of you are wrestling with the baptism in the Holy Spirit because you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to do the work that you need to do. When you ask him to baptize you, Holy Spirit, I want to be baptized. It, I, some of you, you feel, oh, I feel the love of God all over me. I mean, I know. I, once I started seeking, it was all over me. And I'm like, and they're like, just speak. Just speak. <laughs> 
That's literally what the pastor said to me. But I was so afraid that what I was hearing in my head was just me and not him. So I, for years, was afraid to speak what was in there. But something crazy happened once I just gave up and said, you know what? All right, whatever. I'm just going to speak. Literally, that was my response. You know, whatever. I'm just going to do it. Changed everything. Changed everything. Not instantly, because I still wrestled with, oh, was that God? Was that me? Was that God? Is that me? And I'll tell you next week how I walked through that. But I want you to know that some of you, as you seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and at the end of this service, we're going to give you a chance to come. Our prayer team will be here. We'll, we'll pray over you if you want to receive. You don't have to receive in this room. You can receive at home when you're reading the devotion. You can receive in your car. I'd pull over to the side of the road. Um, but you can receive anywhere that you open your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I, I need you more in my life. I want to be baptized. In fact, ask Jesus to baptize you in his spirit. The only requirement is that you've put faith in Christ, that you have surrendered your life to him, you've accepted what he did for you on the cross, and the moment you do that, you're a candidate to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's going to put words, sounds, phrases in your mouth or in your head that make no sense, and it'll be up to you to speak them out. He will not come and do it for you. You say, well, what if I fall down? You won't fall down if you don't want to. There have been times I've been prayed for and literally felt like if I let myself, I would have fallen down. But I stayed up. You don't have to fall down. But some people feel that and they're like, oh, I'm giving in. And they just go. I stood here, I stood there one time. For those of you that remember Terry Brown, six foot guy, 200 pounds maybe. Am I close? I hope he's 200 pounds. I hope I didn't just offend you. Big guy, though, standing over there, and he goes down, boom. But his head hit the pew right there, boom, and it resonated. Big guy, that fall, that's a long way. Um, and when he got up after, no bump, no headache, no nothing. If the Holy Spirit overwhelms you and you just collapse, he'll catch you. We don't really use catchers in our church much because um, it helps weed out the phonies. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know there are people that just want an experience. And if you're afraid of getting hurt, it, you're not going to pretend to fall down. But just let me say, we're not going to let anybody get hurt. I just opened a big can of worms that I don't have time to close. <laughs> but now you're coming back next week, aren't you? All right, let's stand. Here's how we're going to close today. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I know that some of you are maybe going to have to leave, and uh, that's fine. You're going to be able to be dismissed in just a moment. But we're going to open the altars, and you can come and pray by yourself. You, if you don't want someone to pray with you, that's fine. If there's someone that's here that's your friend, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're not, ask them to come and pray with you. But we're going to open the time just for you to seek, just for you to pray. You want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or you want prayer for anything. We are going to be here for you. And so prayer team, if, you're going to, if you would come, as soon as I dismiss, uh, we're going to be here. We're ready for you. We want to pray over you today. And so, Father, I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you for everything that you have made available to us through the cross. God, by sending your spirit to live in us. And God, I pray for this body. 
as we go through these days ahead, these weeks ahead, God, give us greater understanding of how your spirit speaks, of how your spirit works, of how your spirit moves in our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. We want to know your voice. We want to understand your ways. Help us to understand it more fully, I pray. And so, God, I pray your blessing over this body today, that as they leave this place today, God, that they're able to live in the power of your spirit. They're able to keep in step with the spirit. God, that they'd know your love, they'd know your power, they'd know your grace. And God, that we would have the ability to release it over every person, over every circumstance. God, even in the hardest moments of this week, when we get squeezed, God, that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and gentleness and self-control just flow out of our lives to everyone that we encounter. And so God, do that work in every one of our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.